0: Baby,
1: Spud here. I've met a lot of people and I played some too. And there's one thing I know: people like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at? Here we at, baby. Hi, I'm Megan. Thanks for joining me here on the Spudcast podcast while I'm talking out my ass. Joining me uh, today, Adrian Bruno, who is a lobbyist. Who loves New Orleans, former Marine, uh, an all-around guy who means business. Uh, So we'll talk to him about helping to promote Mardi Gras and uh, the Sewage and Water Board. But first, this. Hey, what you got going this weekend? Can't go to the game. You can't even tailgate. So what you gonna do? Go fishing! Get yourself a licensed and insured charter guide on LASaltwater.com. Super easy to follow that website. What you gonna catch? Where you wanna catch it? How you wanna catch it? All the big ones are waiting for you, and to top it off, you'll still be able to watch the game on TV, at the lodge, at the end of the day of fishing! Sounds great? Got an open spot for you, babe. You want in? Just sign up on LASaltwater.com. Hello. Adrian Bruno, you lobbying so-and-so. How's it going, man? I'm doing great, Spud. How are you? Uh, you know, just trying to stay in front of the parade instead of behind the horses, man. Just just like always. I appreciate you taking the time joining the Spudcast here today to talk about a uh, several things. Uh the first thing I want to talk about is just you. I know a lot of people know your name. They don't necessarily know all the irons in all the fires that you have. You're a lobbyist, but you're 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 a, a different kind of lobbyist, I think, because you take on a whole bunch of different things. Um so I, I really I mean, how did you get into this stuff? I know you're a Marine. I know you were active. Uh, well, you had like two, three tours and you're in reserves. And right. now, and you go from that to being a lobbyist. That doesn't, that doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't seem a logical stick to me.
2: I've been around politics my entire life. A lot of people know who my father is. He's a yeah. great guy. He was in the legislature for a long time. He's been on the ethics board now for about seven years. And so it was something that I grew up around from a, the age of about four. I think I handed out my first. Push card. Granted, I didn't really know what politics was back then, but that progressed, and over time, uh, being from a political family, obviously, I was involved in my father's campaigns. And then, in the teenage years, uh, with a strong back, you get recruited for a lot of different campaigns (laughs) or people that know your dad and go, go put up signs. So I started doing that, and then that just progressed on and on throughout my life, different levels of involvement with campaigns, and and helping people, and then. Um, you know, got out of the Marine Corps and and finished up at UNO and um, really thought about working with campaigns and uh, that I I thought would make a difference to the city of New Orleans. I worked with Ron Foreman. Um, When he ran for mayor, I thought he would have been a great mayor for the city of New Orleans. And I, I worked at the zoo when I was a
1: a young kid, a teenager. And- well, you were you a scooper really- at the zoo and since you had your strong <laughs> <Yeah>. back? Strong <laughs> exactly. back and a clothespin for your nose. Huh?
2: <laughs> I was a, I was a junior zookeeper. Uh, it was a program that was started in 1982. And I was a in the second class in 1984. Got to go to Australia with them. Really, really great program. But always stayed politically involved. I worked for former Senator John Hankel. It was a great influence on me. State Senator Ken Hollis. I worked with, um, you know, the I worked in Congress. I worked around Bob Livingston um, and I just got to see government at every different level.
1: So, you know Um, how to make sausage, in other words,
2: I did. And I knew the legislative process very well. Uh, It it wasn't an option. I had to listen to that. And W.Y.A.T., the oldies channel when I was riding around oh. with my dad on the weekend. So it was just like politics and oldies. I'm pretty good at both of them. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> well then, so, so it, I mean, all this, this, uh, political experience you got, that's what, that's what got you into lobbying. I mean, you, you were forming a lobbying group to promote Mardi Gras. And I mean, that's, that's not normally, I mean, you hear about committees being formed or Mardi Gras crews or all the crew captains get together and, and bang a drums, but you're actually, this is basically a lobbying organization, the Mardi Gras Alliance to push specifically coming up in 2021. I mean, yep. it's just a, it's a, it's, it's, it's not political though. It's I mean, not
2: political because I believe that, like me i love mardi gras i learned how to drive all the back streets of new orleans because my father loved mardi gras and continues to love it to this day still rides on our float but i mean he he would shuttle me we would we would go from uptown this is when all the parades were in different neighborhoods Mm -hmm. so i just got a, a, a a wonderful you know living in new orleans and growing up here and and being involved in mardi gras and in the last you know several years i've seen Government turn its attention to Mardi Gras and and really start to meddle in something that uh, I didn't appreciate government meddling in. So I decided to to marry the type of lobbying I do, and I'll just for a second, I set up associations to address problems that I think need to be addressed to help everyone. I have a disaster association, which deals with how the government and the private sector come together to deal with disaster, which we all know is very bad after Katrina. I have another association. It deals with private space exploration, which is something that I took on because I love innovators and I I love the power of human potential. So you're talking Uh, to SpaceX
1: and and those guys. Boeing,
2: all those guys. And and just the private side of it, I think, is just fascinating, but but brought that together with NASA as well. And um, I I have another association that deals with veterans health and it deals with um, CBD access. Um, but but mostly I'm, I'm fortunate because I've been able to start these platforms, create these spaces where everybody can come together. We can monetize the platforms with all the stakeholders involved. So I took that model and I'm applying it to Mardi Gras because I was very concerned in the last last year specifically with the ordinances around Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. And it just when I was a kid, you know, nobody got hurt. Everybody was safe. Their parents would be like, "You put your foot down on top of a doubloon first. You never go in in between a float."
1: Which you know, I mean, all the common sense rules that, yeah, it's your it's up to your parents to teach you that kind of stuff. You know, they yeah. bring you when you're a little kid. I brought all my kids when they were little and go, "No, you can't get any closer than this," or sit on my shoulders and I'll go over there and we'll get the the spear from the person instead of them chunking at us. That kind exactly. of exactly, yeah.
2: So a couple of years ago, government really started to meddle and and, and started to you can't you can't throw this type of stuff off the float and then i'm not talking about anything politically charged i'm talking about plastic bags i think all the crews made a very honest effort to work with the city work with the sanitation department and really try to get a lot of that the the trash and the garbage cuz it's a monumental herculean task i fully understand yeah but and it came like you can't have the chairs and the couches on the neutral ground and you can't have the bar. how did all this occur for 50 60 70 plus years and 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 we had no major problems but suddenly government has to start sticking its hands in Mardi Gras and that affects the hotels it affects the restaurants it affects all the businesses you got two major routes you have the Endymion route which you know has mid city canal street some of these businesses make more money it's like they're it's like they're black
1: friday yeah
2: yeah and then you've got all the businesses up and down St Charles Avenue then you have the neighborhood so my my goal was to bring together all of the the organized neighborhoods, uh, the mid cities, the lake views, the uptowns, the, the lower garden districts, everybody. I, I wanted to bring together all of the hotels, the restaurants, the small businesses, everybody yeah, who is affected by Mardi Gras. It's a lot.
1: That, that's a huge. Well, that's a huge thing. I mean, how are you going to put them all under this one umbrella? You know, and you're making it. We got two major political parties. Okay, right. and there are millions and millions and millions of people in that, but they all have like a hierarchy. Okay, <laughs> I mean, you work well. You know, they got the the top of the heap, and then they got the guys who who get stuck putting the signs out. Yeah, but you know, yeah. the the person putting the signs out don't talk to the person always. It's handles all the way down. You you're talking about a lot of people and a lot of people I who are all that. have a well. They got, a, but they got their own stake. You know, you got. A, well, I got a much bigger hotel than you, so I get more say. So in but, what goes on, Mar- you Mar- know, Indians
2: uh, just. I want the food. I want the culture. I want the people that do the old Mardi Gras. I want to see the the skeletons walk around. I want all the culture and history
1: of Mardi Gras and all the fun that Mardi Gras is.
2: Just stop messing with our fun, man. Yeah,
1: but Just, no, all man, right, all right. You know? I'm 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 gonna have to I'm gonna have to throw a rock at you. Okay, my wife loves Mardi Gras, and she loved it from when she was a kid and used to see the small parades go through the quarter. Now you got to go. What do you see? You see some walking clubs. Otherwise you got to go see uh, Chris Owens uh, Easter Parade. That's the only float type of thing you can see going through the quarter. you got these huge floats when Bacchus rolls in and then uh, and then Endymion and and Orpheus and all the their super crews, they can't go anywhere near the quarter. So no. should yeah. they should they now have more than just walking and crews and be able to go back into the quarter and, and and go up and down and parade up and down the streets? You know, because now, right now, the the mayor is trying to shut half of them down, so there's nothing but pedestrian malls, and people are going, "How the hell? I just bought this house. How am I gonna get to my garage?" You know, so exactly. I, I I'm all in favor of what you're doing. It's just that I I can't. I'm glad you're doing it because I can't even envision how I would if it was if this was dumped on my shoulders.
2: There's so. some of the bigger things now. I'm you know yeah, the the floats have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, nobody really knows. I mean. Some of us old New Orleanians know, and I'm not really old. I'm 48, but you're a puppy. I know, right? So (laughs) the reason why they would cut down, they would go up through the French Quarter and the way that the Municipal Auditorium is designed, the way it is, was to accommodate the floats coming in and going in right there. Most people don't know that. A lot of them, anybody younger than me really doesn't know that. They haven't been to you know, stuff in the municipal auditorium. The yeah. poor place has been shuttered since yeah. since uh, right after Katrina.
1: If somebody were to step up with the money, they would dictate what's going to happen with it. I know the mayor wants to but, turn it into a city hall. And it's like, there's a lot of pushback on that one, boy.
2: I think that the cities, and I can get into the cities, I think the city's spending priorities are tremendously out of whack. But I was very concerned when... When when they started all of these ordinances on Mardi Gras and one of the ones that they wanted to put on Mardi Gras cruise last year was five hundred dollars for plastic bag alone in my stuff on my float. And I won't get into what crew I ride in, but I can tell you that I could have generated alone, I could have generated half a million dollars in fines. I promise you I for, have every, for every for every like bags.
1: for not 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 the not the colorful bags with the handles that you know, two or three gross Correct. comes in, each little dozen dozen beads comes in a bag, and that little plastic bag five hundred dollars fine?
2: Five hundred dollars. Now, we were able to work with members of the city council and and kind of bring that back to reality. But I said back then, I was like, wait a minute, and they've tried to move Endymion off its route for a number of years. That ain't happening because those businesses and those neighborhoods love endemic in there. Well, there well, to be more parades
1: there. They were going to make so, it go on the uptown route?
2: Yeah, uh, permanently. And, you know, I, I think that there was a lot of pushback to that. We want to make sure that we maintain our home. A lot mm-hmm. of our members are from Lakeview and Mid-City and Gentilly, and that's where we our roots are, and that's where, you know, we, we wanted to start out.
1: How many administrations has this been going on?
2: If you go back and you look at the historical ordinances around Mardi Gras over, say, about the last 40 years, there was very little activity. I mean, obviously, you had the police strike in the late 70s, and that created some, some different things. But that was more of a, a labor dispute with the police department and payment. Um, and Mardi Gras just got caught in the crossfire. But if you look at the actual ordinances, it's really only in the last 10 years, really the last five, that this hyper focus on Mardi Gras has come to where I see a tremendous amount of government meddling. Um, and, and I just believe mm-hmm. government just, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a small, I'm a limited government guy in the first place. I really think that the more responsibility the government tries to assume, that that means that there's less responsibility that human beings are taking on to themselves. And maybe that's why I attribute some of the incidents that happened last year during Mardi Gras, you know, the very tragic mm-hmm. events with people being run over by floats. Because it seems like every year we seem to start to push off more and more responsibilities onto the state. And I think that that creates a very bad
1: attitude and atmosphere with people because they're like, well, I don't have to deal with it. Hey, guess what else? Guess what's been pushed off to the state and to the city? Water, flooding. And guess
0: what?
1: They can't stack dirt. They can't stack dirt. The whole city flooded. And every time it rains too hard, oh, boy, Oh, we got 90, uh, 99 of 100 pumps running. No, you don't. You say that all the time, but you don't. And you know, okay, you know what? We're going to step away for a second because I know that's that's another thing you've been bumping heads with the uh, you've been you've been banging heads like a couple of Dodge Rams about the sewage and water board and should it be privatized and things like that. Step away, we're talking to uh, Adrian Bruno. He's a lobbyist. God, what is the name of your lobbying company? It's Presidio. Presidio Strategic, which covers a lot of things. But right now we're talking about Mardi Gras. When we come back, we're going to talk sewage and water board. Spudcast here on your favorite spudcast platform just when you thought 2020 had served up the worst it had to offer here comes hurricane season and the flooding rains of summer right does the sound of thunder strike fear in your home in a good year well i can't help you with pandemics or saharan sand but i can tell you how to fix your flooding problem call the team at home team elevation their precision home raising equipment will lift you above the floods It's height done right, guaranteed. Get your flooding problem fixed now with the home team advantage. Experienced, hands-on, local owners. In the worry. Stop insurance rate hikes. You want design choices? On the home team, you're the MVP. So don't wait. Elevate with home team elevation because the flood stops here. Get your free quote at 3011222 or go to hometeamelevation.com Okay so we're back with Adrian Bruno and uh uh strategy things and <laughs> you uh, I've interviewed you before on the radio and on uh, on WLAE TV about uh, yes. privatizing and and uh, and you 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 know told me about it. I went and looked up a bunch of cities. There are a bunch of cities that frankly have privatized everything except cops, fire, and EMTs. Everything. Streets, sewage and water, everything. And and they are doing great. The city of New Orleans has got his thumb on every little everything that's that's going on. And uh, I know you're not going to stop banging your head, but uh, how many Band-Aids do you got on your forehead right now with this?
2: <laughs> uh, I tell you what, the uh, sewage and waterboard is something else. This is yet another thing. You know, I, I'm fortunate, but I'm also a warfighter. I'm a Marine. I'm not afraid to take on things. I understand government very well. And I, I, I just try to find the things. And I, I'm not meaning to be a hardhead. I just want to come in the room. And take the governmental side players and pair them up with the private side players. And let's get to the best outcomes that we can get to. Mm-hmm. The sewage and water board, as flat as I can lay it out, is a huge problem across every demographic in New Orleans. Male, female, white, black. You know, it doesn't matter. It, it, it aged, it, it, water and drainage show no bounds. And here's the basic problem. The sewage and water board has no basic master. Yes, the mayor is technically the president of the organization and that's why I took Mr. Landry to task when he didn't know what was going on with the sewage and water board because he was busy in Denver and I'm like, well, you're the president of this organization. If I was the president of something, generally speaking, I'd have a pretty good idea of what was going on. What was going on was a lot of political patronage. Okay. And that's really what the, the problem with the sewage and water board is. It is a pot full of money that gets doled out for various contracts whether they're technology or drainage. But frankly, I haven't seen a lot of improvement in the infrastructure overall of the drainage infrastructure for the city of New Orleans. Now, I am not one of these folks that likes to just be a malcontent and complain. Before I even do that, I'm that type of guy or that person or yeah. that coach or that leader that pulls somebody off to the side and says, hey, look, this is a problem. We need to work on this. Let's address this. You know, I didn't want to call you out in front of everybody, but this is something we need to look at. Can we work on this?
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, you yeah. You, sure up an, you show up with you show up with solutions. I know I know who you are. I know I know you. I know what you do.
2: I'll do that three times, you know, and then then I'm then I'm going to be like, okay, well, you know, we're not going to we're not getting anywhere, and I can tell you because I brought the the mayor and council a a solution for the surface drainage with the catch basins. I brought them a solution to redo the infrastructure. Uh, a very a very large company that comes in and they basically they will come in and write a huge check for the infrastructure, rebuild it. And then lease it back to the city, and while they're building a maintenance fund, all at the same time, so the costs of maintenance go down. But let's be real: the sewage and water board is there for patronage. Okay, honestly, we should take all of the functions of the sewage and water board, move them to the Department of Public Works, and then at least the council uh, is over mm-hmm. them, and we don't have this. This every every most people don't know why the sewage and water board was created. It was created by Martin Berman to take it away from the carpetbaggers so it would take yet another government entity away from outsiders that they didn't feel like, you know, I don't know what their motivation was at the time. And certainly over time, it's morphed into, you know, a big, huge pit. I mean, it was only during the Landrieu administration that there were people walking away with lottery-style retirement spud because they sat on the sewage and water board. And, and, and,
1: And it's not like I didn't throw my hat in that ring. You know, right? <laughs> right. my hat had right. holes in it, though. That's the problem. No, yeah. well, I, you know what? I'm, I had I've had. Con- what was the name? St. Martin. What was that lady's name ran it for years and years? Ago. I yeah, finally get St. Martin. Yeah. Martin. I finally got her on. I finally got her on the radio to interview about it. And all she would do. I'd ask her a question and all she would do was just sit there and recite the history of the sewage and water board. I'm going, uh, yeah, but I know all that stuff because I can read it in Wikipedia, which is exactly what it sounds like you're reading. What about this and what about that? And and she just kept re- going, man, you are the perfect crony because you don't answer. You answer everything. You're just not answering what you were asked. I asked you a question and you talk. And it's like you didn't even get elected. I mean, how much, you know, but what is she floating on? Because, I mean, she was like, I don't know. She was cool yeah, hand Luke remember, with the cards.
2: Do you do you want to talk about history? I remember in 1978, I thought floods were fun. But living in Lakeview, I mean, I remember the May 78 flood 79. Mm-hmm. And then there was a another flood in um, in 1997, I believe. Uh, I was here. Those things, where the water came up, uh, my parents' house on Argonne, it didn't even get up to the first step. We had one of those houses that was on piers, you know. Yeah. And uh, but as of late, and even during Landrew, I'm seeing a little bitty rainstorm that. The city should have no problem like maybe it hasn't rained in a couple weeks we got three inches of rain it was that august 7th flood of i think it was uh during the landry administration i think it was sometime around mid 2015 2016 flood somewhere around there and it was the one where we learned where landry was out of town and we learned that all the pumps had all kinds of issues and that's when the, the mask essentially came off and and we realized mm-hmm. the ugl- ugliness of the beast that we were dealing with.
1: And it's bad um, enough. It's not, it's not bad enough that the the stuff don't work. Then you open up your bill and it's like, oh, it, I didn't get a bill last month. Now i got a bill for $7,000. You know,
2: I think every New Orleanian could collectively argue the sewage and water board is not working. Yes. The bills are outrageous. Not only that, but you, you have a three inch rainstorm and You know, all the public officials are coming on TV. Remember, we get inundated if we get more than an inch of rain in an hour. Oh, BS. I mean, I've seen our our drainage system handle a lot over my lifetime growing up. And now you're going to tell me that miraculously somehow in the last five years that this has become such a problem that that, that now we're basically flooding every time. And you have mid-city flooding. You have Lakeview flooding. You have uptown flooding. I worked in the French Quarter. Mm-hmm. I never saw the French Quarter flood in my life until two years ago. And I was I was down there and I was I was I was having lunch and, and a major rainstorm come through and the water came up so fast as the guys at the at the Motley on the hotel putting sandbags out by the front door. And I'm going, yeah, got some something seriously wrong
1: here. We that's true. Not, I mean, we the, keep
2: kicking the can down the road.
1: The the the, the, the quarter is supposed to be one of the highest areas. I mean, in Monkey Hill. Yeah. All right. So so you have proposed privatizing that. And of course, nobody's listening to you because there goes their uh, their patronage. What would be the possibility? What would have to happen to undo what Martin Berman did? I mean, I kind of un- I understand why he did what he did, but the carpetbaggers are gone. Or are we going to see a bunch of carpetbaggers moving in because of all these businesses that are shut down and, and how many of them are closing? And so now you got all these empty uh, businesses and buildings and all that kind of stuff down there. Who's going to come waltzing in here? with uh, money from who knows where. And the next thing you know, we ain't even New Orleans no more.
2: I'd go into several different things, but I think the most important thing to focus on is that there are entities that have done this in other cities and there are entities that are willing to do it here. What they do is they come in and they basically fund replacement of the infrastructure. Okay, Mm -hmm. What they do is they take those tax credits and they sell them all over the place. Okay, that's how they that that's how that works. Now it's not a hundred percent privatization. Uh, you know mm-hmm. the jobs all remain the same, but of course you're going to get better management. You're going to see it's a public-private partnership is the easiest way to describe it. But what needs to happen is legislation. Of course, needs to happen to dissolve the sewage and water board
1: yeah. and, and move then,
2: its functions what to the does- DPW. Which I know maybe scares all of us because the streets can't get done either. You
1: know, yeah, but. yeah, but the thing of it is, yeah, they should privatize that too. I'm out of time, but let me ask you two questions. Number one, well, let's just staying on this train of thought. This would have to be a home rule charter thing, or is this something that could be happen uh, that could happen no. at the state level?
2: State level, because sewage and water board is a state entity.
1: Okay, so so now any somebody story. in Monroe can bitch about it. Yes. Yes.
2: It would cool. require the legislature to, to to move something, and it would require the city council of New Orleans to move all those functions
1: underneath DPW. But if the state comes in and tells them to do it, they're pretty much going to have to do it.
2: Yeah, if the state does away with the sewage and water board and says we're doing away with this entity, so mm-hmm. you need to assume all of the the, the various functions underneath you know mm-hmm. Department of Public Works.
1: Okay, and the second thing is, how can people get involved with your Mardi Gras Alliance? How can they find out more about it? How can they you're looking for donations. Are you looking for people to, to join oh, this? you know? We, know. Want,
2: we want everybody that loves Mardi Gras to come and take a part of this. Yeah, they can go to Mardi Gras Alliance.com. Uh, they can go to the Facebook page. Just type in Mardi Gras Alliance. And both of those places, you're going to be able to get involved with the effort, sign up, and uh, just become a part of it. Uh, hmm. We fund it through donations from businesses, from individuals, uh, from from groups. Obviously Mardi Gras crews can't participate because they're nonprofits and if they I don't want them to to jeopardize any of their nonprofit status and frankly that's why I felt like we needed to stand up because nobody's yeah. standing up for them or the no. people or the culture and then governments just out there telling everybody what to do
1: but they also uh, are made up of businessmen and those businessmen can as a private businessman uh aid and assist the Mardi Gras Alliance so they can uh... That is correct. There you go. MardiGrasAlliance.com Adrian Bruno with uh, Presidio Strategic Solutions. Uh, how can people just find you in general? I mean, I got your phone number, but how can anybody find <laughs> Presidio Solutions?
2: They can go to that website. They can go to presidiostrategicsolutions.com. They can find me through there. Um, you can you can also email me, which is adrian at com And I'm happy to get in touch with anybody through either one of those methods. And yeah. um, talk to anybody that, that wants to, If you got time for coffee, I got time for
1: you. (laughs) You're the man, Adrian. Thanks a bunch, man. Appreciate the time. All right, Adrian Bruno. We'll be back with more on the Spudcast right after this. Spud here, and you know the first place I go when my family needs to see a doctor is Rapid Urgent Care. I mean, you're in and out of there in 40 minutes, give or take. You spend that much time in an ER just waiting to get triaged from a broken ankle to a bee sting to a COVID test. Rapid Urgent Care has got you covered with clinics all over Southeast Louisiana. You don't need an appointment. Just walk right in with your ID and your insurance card. Or you can sign up for their health care partnership. Rapid Urgent Care also has a telemed center. Just waiting for your call might save you a trip. Go to rapidurgentcare.com to find out more and to find the clinic nearest you. Now, Before we go, it's time for your dumbass of the day. I don't, know how, I don't know how you can actually get killed by a cow. I mean, a bull, I can see that. You are crossing across the thing or... Maybe you're in some, like, John Wayne uh, City Slickers movie or something, and you're running cattle across the prairies, and all of a sudden somebody shows up with some uh, rattlesnake rattles and scares the cows, and he gets trampled to death. But no, not, not this dude. This guy was in England, and uh, he was walking his dog. And people would say, oh, he loves to go walking outside. He's a walker. He's a schoolteacher. He's a headmaster, and he's out walking his dogs in a field in the northeast of England. David Clark, described as the heart and soul of Richmond school, died on Monday while walking near the fields because cows stepped on him. What were you doing in there, David? What were you doing in there, my friend? That cow's got to step all over you. Anyway, you're dead. So there's your dumbass of the day. David uh, Clark, headmaster of the school in uh, the northeast of England, died from, I don't know, did the cow sit on him? Was he trying to tip it? He got killed by a cow, and it wasn't no stampede. There you go. That's, uh, that's our latest Spudcast. Thanks for joining us. <coughs> uh, there'll be some more coming up tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Uh, here on the Spudcast, you can find me here on Red Circle. You can find me on uh, uh, Spotify. You can find me on uh, Public Radio. You can find me on iHeart. You can find me on Pandora and Google. Uh, and you can also find me at Spud's Friends and Fans, my Facebook page. And you can also follow me on Twitter at SpudGotDat. In the meantime, y'all be safe, stay away from the crazies, I, I gotta go, baby, I'm a gone pecan.